great, great day to be together as God's church, the body of Christ gathered here together. Uh, we're all down and brown, amen? Uh, say, well, what, what are we trying to do? Well, we're just crazy people just trying to find good ways to have fun and, and love the Lord. And so today, we just invited everybody to, to dress down, whatever that means to you. You know, if you're used to wearing a suit and a tie all week, it may be that uh, slacks and a shirt's good for you, for, for some of you blue jeans. And I'm just glad that none of you came shirtless, you guys. I'm glad you at least put, put a shirt on. Praise the Lord for that. But uh, we're just glad you're here. And then after church, uh, hopefully you brought your lunch. We, we suggested, well, just uh, bring a brown bag lunch. And if you want to bring a bologna sandwich or ham and cheese sandwich or brown swagger or whatever it is that you like, maybe a Wilson tomato sandwich, whatever you brought, that's what you're eating today because we don't have anything but drinks back there. And uh, we want you to feel free to join us. It's going to be good. I'm going to go with my, one of my favorites. I'm going with ham and cheese loaf. It's good stuff. Aaron, uh, or excuse me, Jovi. No, it was Harper the other day. She stole a piece of ham and cheese from me, and she said, she said, Pops, this bologna has cheese in it. I said, yes, it certainly does. Isn't God good? Amen. So we're just, we're just going to hang out together for a little bit. I know the fair's going on today, and, I, and most of you want to get out there and hang out with the cows and the sheep, and that, if that's your thing, that'll be perfectly all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat on the deck this afternoon and celebrate a birthday in our family. So we're glad you're here. Next week's going to be fun, as, as you already heard on the video. Uh, football season is starting. It's already kind of started. You know, that, that, that preseason junk, it... it it's not really football. How many of you know that? And they're just trying to get your pre preseason dollars is what they're trying to do. But uh, anyway, it starts here pretty soon. Go, go Chicago Bears. Yeah, come on. Let's see a few thumbs down. I love you anyway, brother. I love you with the love of, the, of Jesus. But wear your, wear your favorite team colors. Uh, whatever that is, if it's U of L, U of K, uh, well, I knew that'd get a rise out of some of you. We, we always get a good war going when we start talking about college ball, but just come. Uh, we're going to be talking about a new season. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter what happened last year. All the teams start fresh at the beginning of the new season. <clears throat> and so the sermon is going to go along with that. There are some of us that we need a fresh start in some areas of our life. We need a new season, and we're going to believe that God is going to give us some wisdom that will apply to that. And then the next week, I'm, I can't wait. It's going to be Bring a Friend Day, and uh, we're going to ask you to share a Coke with them. We're, we've already special ordered some of the old uh, glass bottle Cokes, and when church is over, uh, we're going to have them set up in the parking lot in the tubs with ice and and we want you to take your friend out and pop the top, uh, the Coke top, by the way, pop the, pop the top and share a Coke with your friend. It, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. So we've got, we've got something special going on for the next six weeks, and we're just having fun, trying to get some people home from vacation. I'm, I'm determined, I, I feel like that some of them have determined that they're never coming home. Uh, we got Dorothy back, praise God for that. 
she was she wasn't really on vacation. She was kind of with her sister up in Ohio. I've been I've been lying to everybody and didn't know I was lying and said, "Where's Where's Dorothy?" I said, "She's in Pennsylvania." She wasn't in Pennsylvania. She was in Ohio. That's kind of like the Apostle Paul. I was doing a lot of bad stuff. I just did it ignorantly. I didn't I didn't mean to do it. Uh, but we're glad to have her back. We've got some people this morning <clears throat> that are in Cancun. We've got people in Gatlinburg. We've got people in Florida. We've got people around the world. And they did not invite me to go with them. And I'm very angry and bitter about it. But anyway, they'll, they'll be coming back. It's just that time of the year. School's back. Uh, people are coming back in from vacation. And we're just trying to invite everybody to come and just find their way back to church. And we're glad to see you this morning. You look good. Look to your neighbor and say, you look better than I thought you would this morning. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Just let me make one real quick announcement, and we're, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but as you know, last year uh, we participated in a project called Run for Hope, and it basically is a 5K run where you are um, asked to get some people to support you. We're asking every runner to make a goal of $240. $240 will feed an orphan for one year. For some of you, that won't feed you for a day. It'll feed them for a, an entire year, $240. And uh, if you'll sign up to do this, there are two things that we uh, need for you to do. Uh, we need for you to tell us wh what your name and your email address is so that we can set up your website. Every uh, participant will get their own personal website that you can share on Facebook, social media, whatever, and uh, asking you to join us and, and let's raise a significant amount of money. This is for our out-of-country or orphanages and every dime, 100% of the money that we raise goes to the orphanages to pay for the needs of these children. We did great last year. I'm so pleased. I, I, we were the only Church of God congregation in Louisville that participated last year. And I've been bugging my pastor friends until I've almost made enemies out of them. But at this point, we have seven other Church of God congregations who have agreed to partner with us this year. And we're not going to do it in Highview Park next door. We're going to the Big Four Bridge this year. And we're going to walk that bridge for these kids around the world. So if you're a runner or if you're a walker, we need you. There's going to be a 5K run for those of you uh, who are in shape and can pull that off. But for those of you who are like me and you can't do a 5K, there will be a one-mile option and you can walk that. So uh, for the Big Four Bridge, one mile is a round trip. You go across, you can stop and get you some, some frozen yogurt if you want to while you're over there, and then come back. That's, that's one mile. And then for the 5K run, it's three round trips across the bridge. So we're going to do it, and we're going to bless these kids. So if you have any questions about that whatsoever, see Stephanie Hilbert. Stephanie, wave your hand at them, if you will. She's got a... She's got a clipboard with her today, and if you're going to participate, we really need to know so that we can get your website set up, okay? Sound good? Praise the Lord. Well, if you brought your Bible with you this morning, uh, take them and turn with me to John chapter 6. And again, let me just say how 
thrilled that I am to be back with you today. Thank you for your patience with me over for the last few weeks. I, as you know, I've been trying to get my house in Tennessee on the market and sold, and I've been traveling back and forth a lot to do that. Uh, last week, my sister celebrated her 50th wedding anniversary with her husband, and she had told me a year ago, she said, I don't care what you have to do to be here, but you put it on your calendar and come share this day with us. So we were able to go out and, and have a good time with them. And I thank you for such a loving and patient congregation that you would allow me the opportunity to do those kinds of things and know that I don't have to worry about a thing. I, we were on live stream with you and watched the entire service. It's such an amazing thing. We were driving down the interstate and we were in church with you and listened to that guy named Pastor John preach a fantastic message. He did good. I, I, I asked him, yeah, get, there, there you go, that's okay. When I got back, I asked him, I said, well, John, I'd already heard him, so I knew what I thought about it, but I said, did you preach good? And he said, well, he said, you know, I stammered and stuttered a little bit for a while, and I, like I'm typically uh, prone to do, and then he said, and I preached way too long. And I said, well, I'm not going to touch that. I thought it was good. Amen. And, I, and I'm thankful for what the Lord did last week. Great service. I'm expecting one today as well. John chapter 6. Today, with it being down and brown day, we, you know, we brought our lunch. We've got lunch on our minds. Of course, there's nothing new about that for us, is there? We're always thinking about where we're going to go after church and whether or not we can get out quick enough that we can beat the Baptist down to the buffet, right? I mean, we're all the time thinking about that. Uh, but today, uh, along with this idea of our brown bag lunch, I thought about the, the passage of Scripture in John chapter 6 where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And it, it is one of the most significant miracles that is recorded in Scripture. In fact, the only other miracle that is recorded in all four of the Gospels is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus got up out of the grave and lived again, it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the only other miracle that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. So it's a significant historical event that takes place. So I want us to read it, and then I'm going to share with you briefly this morning just <clears throat> three, three or four observations that I think will be helpful for us. <clears throat> John chapter 6 beginning at verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to even get a little bit. 
One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people to sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks... He distributed them to those who were seated. So also he did with the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign which he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that you will help me to share appropriately today the things, the principles that are here. Let us discover them, put them to use in our lives so that we can be victorious in our walk with you. We thank you now for what you are going to do through your spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and and amen. So today, I I just simply want to start with this question today, and it's simply this. Would you give your lunch to Jesus? You know, now for some of you, that's a hard decision to make. You know, when you you got that lunch in your hand... I mean, if you're like me, you've already got it all figured out down to the last bite. I don't know about you, but I always determine which bite I think is going to be the most satisfying. And I kind of work my way around that bite until that is the only bite left so that I can enjoy that good, satisfying bite. When, when we were first married, my wife, she didn't know that I'd do that. And occasionally she'd reach over with her fork and grab that bite. And I loved her. But I discovered that we had to set some boundaries real quick in our relationship with one another. And I had to explain to her that whatever that last bite on my plate is, it is not for you, girl. I love you, but it, it's for me. Now, I, I don't know. I, I, I've learned through the years that I'm more than happy to give God my lunch. I, I'm more than happy to give him whatever he needs from me because I've learned to trust him with my life. I've learned that when I let him be Lord of my life, I, I, I'm going to be taken care of. So I want you to be thinking about that today, whether or not you'd be willing to trust God with some of the things in your life that you really just need to turn over to Him, that you need to get out of your hands and put them into His hands so that He can help you with them. But there are three things that I want to share with you today about this, uh, this passage of Scripture. Three observations that I think that we need to understand. And the first one is this. Following Jesus requires effort and will cause pain. Now, I don't know who has told you that if you come to Jesus and give your life to him, that everything will be wonderful and all will be hunky-dory and everything will all come together and line up in place that all you have to do is give your life to Jesus and all is well 
somebody done went and lied to you, as somebody would say. It is not true because following Christ is, it, it is hard sometimes. It, it's difficult sometimes. Now, here's what I want you to see. These people who were pursuing Jesus and following Jesus were doing it at great cost to themselves. Now, the scripture says that Jesus had been on the other side of the water, the body of water there, and he got himself away from the people and went to the other side and crossed the Sea of Tiberias. And when he got over there, he discovered that the people were following him, that the word had gotten out that this man named Jesus, who was healing the sick and raising the dead and causing the mute to be able to speak and the deaf to hear and the blind to see... They'd heard that that man was coming to their area. And so the crowd began to tell, you've got to come, man. This is better than the Kentucky State Fair. I mean, it's going to be fantastic. I don't know if there'll be hot dogs and waffles and things like that, but it's going to be good. And everybody started coming from all directions. And so that when he got off the boat, he had all these people in front of him. They were working hard to get into the presence of Jesus. It dawned on me this week that some of us need to put forth a better effort in pursuing the things of the kingdom. Because when we pursue the kingdom, the, the things of the kingdom, in fact, the scripture says it like this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and everything else will come into your life. All these things will be added to you. And I was just thinking about how that some of us just need to get back to that pursuit of Jesus we need to put some things aside and say, Jesus, wherever you are, that's where I need to be. Wherever you're moving, that's where I want to be. And these people were working hard to get themselves uh, to where Jesus was. But in doing this, they had left behind their provision. They didn't have any food, and so they were hungry. They, they were dressed in their typical guard, so they were hot. They were sweaty. They were thirsty. They needed something to drink. And they had no place to go. Uh, back in those days, it wasn't like it is here in Louisville. I mean, you can stop at any gas station anywhere, and you can get a hot dog, and you can get a big gulp, and you, you can get a cup of coffee. I mean, you can get, did you know that at Pilot, you can get, get two great big hot dogs for a dollar and a half? Did you know that? I found that out. I mean, we've been trying to get our house ready to sell, and so we've been spending a little bit of extra money. And Donna, she'll say, she'll say now, don't spend much money today. She said, you, you know, we, we, we got to have that for the painters, and we got to have that for the landscaper, and we got to have that. Say, you know, don't spend much money. Hey, I've discovered some places where you can eat for cheap, let me tell you. We were in Sam's the other day, and I looked up and saw one of them great big hot dogs, and I said, hey, baby you want a hot dog? And she said, yeah, let's go. We went over and got hot dogs. And then they said, you want two combos? And they said, I said, no, we're on a budget this week. I said, I just want two hot dogs and one drink. They said, well, you know, you can get two combos. I said, yeah, but I just want two hot dogs and one drink. So they figured out how to do it. We had two of those great big hot dogs and one drink for $2.87. Can you believe that? 
They didn't have that in these days. I mean, they couldn't run down to Sam's and get them something to eat. They couldn't go down to the corner to Pilate or wherever. They couldn't run down the value market and get one of those little chickens that cooks up underneath one of those lights and keeps it warm. Hallelujah, man, I'm going to have to quit preaching and have lunch. They didn't have all that stuff. They had to work hard just to to get through life. And so they were hot and and they were hungry and they didn't have the ability to even provide for their own needs. But listen, they believed that pursuing Jesus was more advantageous than going home. They believed that pursuing this man would bring greater blessing into their lives than anything else that they could do. Uh, let me see the hands of anybody who takes any kind of prescription medicine in your, in your life. Can I just slip your hand up real? Don't you just love the side effects? Don't, don't you just love, you know, you read the small print and it says, listen, just so you'll know, if you take this, you could die. It said, but if you die, just call this 800 number right here and report it and everything will be okay. I mean, you can get, yeah, I love it when they say there will be gastric distress. You know what that means, don't you? Don't go out in public without a box of depends. You know what I'm saying? That's what it means. But almost with every prescription where the side effects are, it almost always says you are taking this prescription and you are suffering these side effects because your doctor feels that this medicine will bring more advantage to your body than the side effects will cause harm. And so you choose to do it and you just take diapers with you everywhere you go. You know, or, or you lay down and take a nap sometimes in the middle of the day because you're drowsy. I love it. Don't take this pill and then operate heavy machinery. I love that, don't you? Yeah, baby, I can't do the laundry today. That's heavy machinery. I can't lift that. Can't do that. I, I, I can't cook supper today because that stove, that's heavy. If I try to lift that, I can't operate heavy machinery because I'm on drugs. You see, they had made this determination that following Jesus, pursuing him, is going to bring about more advantage in my life than if I eat that hot dog, or if I do this, or if I go there, or if I take off on my own. So we just need to lay it down right now that sometimes following Jesus And sometimes pursuing his precepts are harder than just living life normally. Let me give you some examples. Following Jesus requires that I forgive when I'd rather be angry. Following Jesus requires that I serve someone else when I'd rather someone serve me. Following Jesus requires that I discipline myself when I'd rather just be lazy. I like being lazy, don't you? But sometimes following Jesus requires discipline. Following Jesus requires growing up when I would rather be childish. Somebody say amen. amen. Aren't babies cute when they have pacifiers in their mouth? But listen, when you have to part the mustache 
to get the pacifier in the mouth, there's something seriously wrong. Amen? Sometimes we just need to grow up. My mom used to tell me all the time, son, just grow up. You just need to grow up. Following Jesus sometimes requires me to give away when I would rather receive in. I could go on and on and on, but the bottom line is simply this. If you're going to follow Jesus, let me tell you that there will days that it will be difficult. There are days that it will be hard. There are days that you have to make yourself do the things that you need to do in order to be the mature child of God that he desires for you to be. So the first point and observation is simply that. Following Jesus requires effort and will cause pain. Secondly, following Jesus elicits a compassionate response from him. I wish we could get this in our spirit, that God is not just some mean spirit that sits in the, in the heavenlies and reminds us of the old Wizard of Oz. How many of you ever saw that movie? And you know, it looked like that he was this old mean wizard and when in fact he was just a little weenie sitting behind a curtain somewhere. But they were afraid of him. And every time the lightning bolts would shoot out, they'd, they'd jump. And they were, they were afraid. And, 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 and I like the lion myself, don't you? At where he was, he was bold and he was brave and he was the king of the forest and all that kind of thing. And I, my favorite part in the movie is when he steps up and he says, If I were the king of the forest. You remember that? Remember that? And then all of a sudden, Toto jumps out and he goes, ah, ah, ah. The old king folded in a hurry, didn't he? You know, <laughs> you know, something, <laughs> it's pretty bad when you have to laugh at yourself, isn't it? But, 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 but we're fearful of God. And, and we think about him being out to get us when God loves us. God cares for us so deeply that it's hard for us to even imagine how great his love is. But he loves us. Now the word here in the King James says that he looked at them and he had compassion on them. Now I like that word compassion because it means it's an active kind of love. How many of you know you can love something and you can love it from a distance? I, I, I like coconut cream pie, and, 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 but I've learned that I need to love it from a distance. You know what I mean? From a distance. Oh, forget it. It just came to my mind. Some things you just need to love inside and love it from a distance. But then there are times that we need to love in such a way that compassion flows out of us. The scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that so, so that whoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John 3, 16 and 17. God loves us so much that he gave. He had compassion on us. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, 
we were talking about lordship, and I talked about the rich young ruler, and I brought, I brought Lee up front, and I illustrated it. I don't know why I picked Lee to illustrate the rich young ruler, because number one, he ain't rich, and number two, he ain't young, but he just, he was, he was closer than anybody else, so I dragged him up front. And I talked about how that in Scripture, the the Bible says that when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked him how he could obtain eternal life, the Scripture says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And that word there means that he actively, uh, compassionately ministered to him. And what that probably looked like is, as he went over and he slapped him on the back like guys... Or or they do sometimes, you know, go over and slap him on the back or go over and fist bump, bump, you know, and do all that kind of stuff. Can you just see Jesus fist pumping people just because he loves them and has compassion on them? And then in the NFL, and I thank God I'm not an NFL player because I wouldn't want people patting my backside all the time. Good job, man. Good run. Especially when they stay there a little longer than they should, you know what I'm saying? I don't like that. I don't, I don't dig that kind of thing. But, but, but it's, talking about, it's talking about being compassionate and actually showing love to someone. And that's what happened here. All this crowd comes and they're pursuing Jesus. And the scripture says that he had compassion on them. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves us? And then they called for Jesus to come when Lazarus died. You remember the sister said, you know, he died and, and, and you need to come. And he, he didn't come. He waited. He waited several days. And then when he got there, the sister said, well, if you'd only been here, he wouldn't have died. He said, well, take me to where he is. But, but Jesus, you don't understand. He's been dead for so long now that he will stink. Some of us been dead so long that we stink. The good news is that, that Jesus ain't afraid of your stink. Amen? He'll come to where you are. He'll come when you need him. Not when you think you need him, but when you really need him. When you're stinking so bad that your own husband or wife can't stand to be in the room with you, Jesus will come to you and bring life to your spirit. Amen. Because he loves us. And then there was that time that he set up on the hillside outside of Jerusalem. And with compassion, he prayed. And he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have been willing to gather your children together like a hen that gathers her chicks. I want you to come, but you would not. I've invited you to come and to be in relationship with me, to let me hide you under my wings, to let me hide you when the storm is raging, but you, you wouldn't have anything to do with me. Let me tell you today, Jesus loves you more than you can understand. He loves you more than you can know. You say, well, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know how bad I've been. It doesn't matter. Jesus died for the chiefest of sinners. Uh, his blood was shed for every one of us. He, he was raised from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father for every individual who will come to him. He loves you with an everlasting love. And Jesus Christ will never give up on you. Never. 
So following Jesus elicits a compassionate response from him. And then, and then finally this morning, the last observation is this. Following Jesus requires a partnership that acknowledges him as CEO. Have you ever seen anybody that has these bumper stickers on the back of their car that says, Jesus is my co-pilot? I want out of that car. I don't want anybody driving if Jesus is the co-pilot. I want Jesus to be the pilot. Jesus, take the wheel. I'm sorry, that one just came to me too. I don't know where all this stuff's coming from. I want Jesus to be in control. I want Jesus to be the CEO of my life. You say, well, how do you get this from this scripture? Well, thank you for asking. I'm going to tell you. Jesus, when he saw the crowd coming to them and he had compassion on them, he already knew what he was going to do. He already knew what was going to work. But the people that were on his team, they didn't know. They weren't aware of what needed to take place. So Jesus, being the CEO, started laying the bricks in place. And the first thing he did is he looked over to Philip and he said, Philip, where are we going to get enough money to feed all these people? And Philip said, I don't have a clue. He said, even if we had 200 denarii, we couldn't buy enough food that we could give all of these people even a bite that would satisfy them. I don't know. And then Andrew, he's over here. He's listening on the side, and he's thinking, okay, it's test time. Jesus is going to go around the room, and he's going to ask all of us until we get the right answer to, to the question that he asked. And Andrew, he kind of comes over, and he says, well, he said, there's this little boy over here, and he's got a lunch, he's got some bread, and he's got some fishes. And Jesus then began to go to work because he had something to work with. He already knew what he was going to do. And he started giving out the orders. He said, first of all, I need all the crowd. I need for you to sit in an orderly fashion. I need you to sit on this grass that Joe and Verna mowed so beautifully this week just for this occasion. I want you to sit down and enjoy it. We'll be with you shortly. And then he begins to distribute. He takes the bread and he takes the fishes and he begins to pray for it and then he begins to distribute it. Now there are some scholars who get in arguments just tit for tat in this because the scripture in some, in some translation says that Jesus actually was the one who distributed and then others say, well, no, it wasn't Jesus. It was the disciples because he broke it and distributed it to the disciples and then the disciples distributed it to Jesus or to the, to the crowd and they were all able to eat. Listen, it don't make a hill of beans whether or not it was Jesus or, or whether it was the disciples. All that I know is that the hungry people got fed. 5,000, and that was just the dudes. It didn't even count. The women and the children, it's just the women, the men were fed. They got fed too. The women got fed too. It just, you have to understand just the way that it is. I pastored a church one time where if you went over to the member's house after church, the men always ate at the table before the women could be served. And I thought, man, Donna is going to whip me like nobody's business when this dinner is over. 
Then the men, they would go into the family room and sit and watch football while, while they fed the kids and then fed themselves and then cleaned the dishes. I, I miss those days sometimes. <laughs> but let me tell you something. That ain't the way it is anymore. You know what I'm saying? And it shouldn't be that way either, by the way. But at any rate, they distributed the elements to those who were hungry. And Jesus ministered to them. Jesus met their needs. Listen, as our heavenly CEO, his plan is always designed to provide exactly what is needed at precisely the right time. God already knows what he needs to do and is going to do in your life if you will allow him to be the Lord of your life. Now listen, this, this whole scenario could have gone very wrong. The whole thing could have gone very wrong because Philip could have looked at Jesus and said, what do you take me for, an idiot? You look at me and ask me, how are we going to feed these people? You know I'm just, you know that I can't answer that. Why? I, I got a bad attitude about you because you're all the time asking these questions that nobody knows how to answer. I'm, I've just had about all of that, Jesus, that I want. I'm, I'm just done with it. If you don't stop that nonsense, I'm going to quit being a disciple. He could have got a bad attitude with Jesus and said, I'm just done with this. Andrew could have said, I, I, I know that he's over here, but this seems like such a stupid idea. Just a little bit of bread and a couple of fish. This seems so stupid that I'm afraid to even suggest to Jesus that this might be something for us to consider. And he could have, out of fear, he could have just kept all of that to himself and could have held in the background the very resources that Jesus already knew were there and that he intended to use to meet the need and create this miraculous atmosphere. Thank God Andrew didn't do that. What if the disciples had said, I ain't in a serving mood today. I've been busy this week. I've been following you all over this place. I've got a corn on my big toe. I've got an ingrown toenail on the other foot. I'm out of shape. I'm t I, I don't feel like serving anybody. If anybody is going to do the serving, these people ought to serve us. I mean, after all, we are disciples. After all, we're in that inner circle. I, you know, it's amazing to me how many people want to be in your inner circle when they think that you can do something for them. You know, they could have copped the attitude. They could have done all of that. Everything about this could have gone south in a hurry. But the one thing that held it all together was, number one, everybody knew that something needed to change. That there was a need that, that needed to be met. And secondly, they understood that Jesus was able to do exceeding abundantly above all that could be asked or thought of. And so they trusted the master. You need to come help me quit if you will. If you still aren't mad at me or anything like that for talking about. Just come play softly. And if I don't quit here quickly, just start throwing stuff at me. And that'll be okay. What, what does this mean? Well, I, let me explain it to you this way. At some point in our lives, 
We need to give Jesus the right to act on our behalf with the authority that he already has. Because as long as we control the scenario, Jesus is here and he already has the authority. He already has the resources. He already has everything that is needed. All he needs for us to do is give him the right to be the Lord of our lives. Many of you know that my mom and dad came to live with us when we first came to Louisville. They were in the older, the elder years of their lives and dad was struggling with Parkinson's disease and my mom, of course, had Alzheimer's and, and, and didn't even know that she was in the world. Dad's mind was very sharp, though, even to the day that he died. And he struggled with this thing of giving over and losing his independence. And and I remember several years before, he called me down and he said, I need to talk to you. I need to go over the will with you. I want you to know how I want to be treated if I ever have to go in the hospital. I want you to go over my DNR with me and all that kind of stuff. And I made the trip and we sat down and I saw that he had given me the power of attorney, full power of attorney, which by the way, just for your information, means absolutely nothing when it comes to the hospitals. You've got to have You've got to have guardianship of those that you're giving care for. But I was given full power of attorney. But he said to me, I don't want you to use it yet. Because as long as I can do this, I want to do this on my behalf. So he continued to operate. He continued to drive. He continued to go to the grocery store. He continued to write his own bills out. He continued to do all those kinds of things because he wanted to be independent. He didn't want anyone to have to do that for him until he started having problems and they started manifesting. And it first started with his car and having to ask him to consider giving the keys to me. I wasn't going to take them from him, but he gave me the keys on his own. And then one day we were sitting at the table at the house and he said, I need to pay some bills, son. And I went and got his little box. He had a little file box and I got it out and I put it up on the table and I got him an ink pen and I got his checkbook and I opened up his bills for him and I laid them all out there and he would pay his bills. He didn't have hardly anything at all. But what he had, he'd pay, and he had one missionary that he always sent $25 every month to, and he'd write that little check out to that missionary. And as his hand would begin to shake from that Parkinson's, he'd begin to go all over the check, and when he'd try to sign his name, something as familiar as his own signature that he had written probably thousands and thousands and thousands of times in, in his lifetime, he couldn't do it anymore and I'd say dad do you want me to help you you need some help I can do it son okay okay dad no problem can I help dad you want me to help no I think I can do it dad you want me to help well maybe if if I could just get to the place where it's all written out by my name and you could sign my name okay I'll do that dad can I help son I can't do it anymore I can't write my name. I can't, I can't write the missionary's name. I, I can't write the numbers anymore. He said, will you write it for me? Will you just do it 
for me. And when he gave me the right to operate in the authority that he had already given me through the power of attorney, it took a weight off of him. At first, he would watch me. He'd say, I'm just watching, son. I know you're doing a good job. I just want to make sure you do it right. I'm doing fine, Dad. I can get it. And don't forget Brother Richardson. Don't forget Carl Richardson. He's dependent upon my gift. Don't forget. I didn't forget, Dad. I wrote it down. Right here it is. He'd watch me. And then finally, I'd say, Dad, I'm going to pay your bills. You want to come over to the table? Nah, you got it. You can do it. But, Dad, you said you want. Oh, yeah, but I'm enjoying you doing it for me. And he transferred over a period of time the responsibilities that he wanted to do himself but realized that he no longer had any ability to do it successfully. Here's what I want to say to you today. Some of you have been struggling with situations in your life for years. And it's your own stubbornness. I love you. I saw somebody, Michael, Michael English, sang a song just the other day. I was driving in the car. And this one lyric just jumped out of the radio at me. He said, there's a whole lot of stubborn in this room. And there's nobody here but me. I like that. Because so often, there's been a whole lot of stubborn in the room. And the only one in the room was me. I've been your pastor for seven years now. And if anybody has a right to say it, I think I do. For some of you today, you could have a miracle in your life right now. If you just get the stubborn off of you and say, Jesus, I've fought this thing and fought this thing and I've tried to do it myself and do it myself and do it myself for so long, but I can't do it anymore. And so, Jesus, I'm simply turning it all over to you and I'm giving you the right to exercise the authority that you have on my behalf. You are Lord. And he blessed it. And he broke it. And they distributed it. And people who were hungry became full. And people who were thirsty Their thirst was quenched. And people who were sick got healed. And people who needed to be redeemed got saved. Because Jesus did a miracle in their lives. Listen, we all need miracles at times in our lives. All of us, if you're not right now, all of us at some time will face some situation where we have no control over it whatsoever. We have no idea how we're going to deal with this. We have no answer whatsoever. And the only thing that you can do in a moment like that is say, Lord, 
I trust you. And I'm asking you to take this situation and resolve it for my good and for your glory. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there that day? Dude, I don't know how he did that. But I counted. There there was just a little bit of bread. I promise I was up there. There were only two fish. And I had more fried cat face than I've ever eaten in my life. Those hush puppies were the best I've ever had in my life. I'm telling you, Jesus can put on a fish fry like nobody I've ever seen. Did you see? Oh, you could. Did you get some? It was good. What did you? Did you? Are you full? Oh, yeah. Did you? How about you? Got everything. How about you, Justin? Everything you need. How about you? Everything I needed. And I, I can't explain it. I don't know how he did it. All I know is that he took the lunch from the boy and he broke it and he gave thanks and he distributed it. And though I was hungry, I am now full. Because of Jesus. So I want to ask you one more time. If Jesus comes to you and says, I've got the answer. I can do what you need me to do. But I need your lunch. Will you give him your lunch? Will you just put it in his hands? say, Jesus, I can't, I can't do this on my own, but I know that all things are possible for those who believe. You say, Pastor, I've asked, I've sought, I've knocked, I've done that, but see, you don't understand the fullness of that scripture. It says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. For that one who asks and keep asking, you will receive. And those who seek and keep on seeking, the scripture says, you will find. For those of you who knock and keep on knocking, the door will be opened to you. How many of you need a miracle today? Can I see your hands? You need God to move in your home, in your family, in your life, in your body. Right where you are, just stand up. Everybody else stay seated. But if you need a miracle in your life, I want you to stand up right where you are. I don't promise you that it'll be easy. But I do promise you this based on the authority of His Word. If you will seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, everything you need will be added to you at the time when you most need it. In Jesus' name. Those of you who remain seated, I want you to just point your hand in the direction of these people who are standing and pray with me that God will initiate the chain of events that will bring about the miracle in these lives this morning. Will you join me and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you right now. 
And these people who are standing before you today are standing because they acknowledge that they need a miracle in their life. And they have come today to pursue the answer in you. You are their hope. You are, you are the only answer that they have today. Lord, for some of them, it may be healing in their bodies. But we're grateful to know today that you took stripes upon your back so that they could walk in health and healing by your stripes. We are healed. Amen. Our hope is in you. Lord, there are those who are emotionally discouraged and distressed today. But Lord, I'm thankful that your word tells us that you are our joy and that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we can be joyful even in circumstances that are discouraging and frustrating. Lord, I'm thankful that those who are standing today because they have financial needs in their life, I'm thankful that you said that if we will give, that you will give into our bosom in such a way that it will be more than we can contain. Lord, your blessings, your promises are yes and amen. They're yes and amen, yes and amen, yes and amen. Maybe not no and maybe or when I get around to it, but your promises are yes and amen. And I thank you, Lord. And then, Father, there are those who are standing this morning because they have a spiritual need. It's either personal or it's on behalf of a loved one, someone who needs you, someone who needs restoration in their life, someone who needs to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, someone who needs to be able to say, I'm redeemed and I know that I am. Someone who needs to make sure that all is well for eternity before they lay their head to the pillow this evening. Lord, I'm thankful to you right now because all of those needs, every need that has just been mentioned, you have the authority, you have the power, and you are willing to minister to everyone who will pursue you for the answer that they need. And now, Lord, as a body of believers, we lift up our hands in praise and we glorify you. We clap our hands to you in worship and thanksgiving. We raise our hands to you. We activate our tongue with words of thanksgiving and praise for hearing our prayer and for doing all that you have, that we have asked of you today. And Lord, now we look forward to the future and all that's going to take place in our lives because of you because of what you have done. Hallelujah. 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 Would you just take a moment in his presence and worship him? Take a moment in his presence. Worship him. Awake is my night to you. 